You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Welcome. I'm your host, Angela Dea. There's a brief conversation or encounter I'm experiencing on a pretty frequent basis, and I'm guessing many of you are as well. It often happens as I'm out in my yard and my neighbors stroll past, or when I need to make a trip to the grocery store and I see someone I don't know but don't necessarily talk to on a regular basis. It usually involves me asking how they're doing. Are you hanging in there? The response is, yeah, we're hanging in there. It's tough, but hanging in there. Reply is usually, same here, great to see you and take care. Here's the thing. It's likely that, you know, my neighbor or maybe the my acquaintance is really just struggling just to hang in there. And the same goes for me. And there are many of you who I'm sure can relate to that. It's like on the surface, we're functioning, we're, we have a smile, we're doing our best to stay positive, doing what we need to do to care for ourselves, our families. But underneath, there's this wide range of emotions and physical reactions to those emotions that we're all experiencing. So are these feelings normal? And at what point should one consider seeking professional help? We're tapping into the mind of Dr. Carolyn Reby, a board-certified psychiatrist at Purvea Health. Dr. Reby, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I recently heard from a friend um, this phrase. I think she may have, have seen it on social media as well, but it really struck a chord with me. It goes like this. We're all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. How would you interpret that, Dr. Reby, from a mental health perspective? I would interpret that as to say everyone is experiencing stress, but for different reasons. So there's a whole wide range of things that we're going through. Many people are fearful for the health and safety. Some people are safe at home, but they're on furlough or layoff and experiencing a lot of financial distress. Some people have been very sick with the virus and had to endure hardship because of that. And some people are safe at home, but experiencing isolation and intense boredom. Some people are essential workers and are putting in overtime and are absolutely exhausted. So I would say that we're all in this together, but each of our experiences are different and unique. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you talk about some of the most common feelings and emotions that people are experiencing during this time? Sure. There are so many strong emotions that we're experiencing And I would say the top five are worry, uncertainty, sadness, grief, and boredom. And then if I think it through a little bit more, I'd probably add anger Mm. and loneliness. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you say grief, I don't think many people would automatically associate that word. I think a lot of people associate grief with death. But you may be speaking about grief in a different way here. Exactly, right. Uh, Grief can be a whole lot more than just loss of a loved one. It involves any sort of loss. And most of us have experienced a tremendous amount of loss as a result of the pandemic. So first things that come to mind would be the loss of social contacts with family and friends, um, 
I feel terrible for the seniors who are graduating and possibly won't be having some of the graduation ceremonies and the, the loss of those things that we hoped for. Uh, many of us have lost vacations. I know I have. It's been a real, a real source of sadness. We'll get back eventually, but we've all had to give up a tremendous amount of things that we were looking forward to and our normal way of life. Yeah, many sacrifices are Absolutely. being made during this time. Um, and what are some of the physical changes that we might experience as a result of these feelings? There's a lot of things that can uh, start from an emotional place, but happen physically. So a lot of people are struggling with changes in their sleep patterns. They might not be sleeping as soundly as usual. They might not feel rested. They might be having more intense dreams or remembering their dreams more. Um, their sleep dis- their sleep schedule might be really disrupted if they are home on quarantine or um, laid off or something like that. They might lose their circadian rhythm and start staying up too late and then sleeping in later in the morning and taking naps and all of that. So sleep is definitely something that can be affected. Appetite is another thing that can be affected by stress. So some people are stress eaters and they turn to food for comfort and to alleviate boredom. And so we see a lot of people struggling with eating too much or eating too much of the wrong kind of foods. And on the flip side of that, some people are stress non-eaters, so their appetite drops and they find it difficult to remember to eat or to choose healthy foods or take care of themselves in that way. So I think then what what people may be wondering is, are these are these feelings normal or natural during this time? Or is it something that I might need to get professional help for? I think most of these feelings are definitely natural human reactions to the stress. And feelings and emotions are never right or wrong. Feelings are just, they just are what they are. So whatever we're feeling is um, is normal, is natural. There can be symptoms of depression or severe anxiety that can happen. That's a different, a little bit of a different situation, which we can talk about. But the feeling state is absolutely always natural, and it's never right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we'll get to in a moment, in a little bit here, about signs that we should you know, contact somebody or reach out for for more help. But for those who who are, you know, experiencing, you know, some of these emotions and feelings that you we've just described, what can we do to get through some of these feelings, whether it be in the in the moment or setting ourselves up for it to be a little bit better in the near future? I think the most important thing that we have to do is to really sit with the feeling and feel it. And I know that's hard to do. As human beings, we just don't like to sit with negative feelings. We're all really good at avoiding feelings and distracting ourselves from discomfort and from uncomfortable feelings. But the first thing we need to do is really sit with the feeling so that we can put a proper label to it. So sometimes we make mistakes in in identifying our feelings. So we might experience a strong feeling and first think it's anger. But if we sit with it for a bit, we might realize that it's more disappointment or perhaps embarrassment. 
or we could first have feelings of like sadness, but then when we sit with the feeling, we can identify that it might really be grief or it might really be anxiety or there sometimes we we make mistakes in labeling our feelings. So sitting with them and really feeling them and figuring that out is the first step. And why is that important to put the proper label on the feeling? What does that ultimately allow us to do if we appropriately identify what it is we're feeling and to sit with it? Right. So, well, knowledge is power. Once we have clarity in the real thing that we're feeling, we can begin to figure out what to do about it and an action plan to fix it. So um, here's a secret about how our brains are wired. And this mm-hmm. is like insider tips from a psychiatrist. I um, love it. That's why, yeah. <laughs> that's why we have you on today. Yeah. <laughs> so thoughts always come before feelings. That's really how our brains are wired. We have a thought and then we have a feeling as a result of that thought. And if you can change the thought, then you can change the feeling. So for example, so... Um, once we feel that, or figure out that the strong emotion we're feeling is worry, we can begin to look at the thoughts that are triggering the worry. So all human beings engage in what are called cognitive errors or mistakes in thinking. A very common one, and probably my favorite, is worst case scenario thinking. So when this happens, someone hears a small bit of information, and then their mind immediately imagines the worst case scenario possible. So for example, if someone were in the lunchroom and overheard talk regarding possible layoffs, within 10 seconds, their brains are literally seeing themselves like living in a van down by the river, to quote the Chris Farley character from Saturday Night Live. So just absolutely, positively, mind goes to the worst possible, worst possible scenario. So then if we backtrack and realize that we're making that mistake in thinking that our brain is going to worst case scenario thinking we can start to come up with some more realistic and more positive thoughts such as, well, that's gossip. So maybe it's not even true. So I'm not going to act as though it's true or have a thought like, even if it is true, I've got enough money in the bank to pay bills for a few months and I'm sure this will get better soon. So those type of thoughts certainly feel better than Mm -hmm. I'm going to live in a van down by the river. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is um this is actually very eye-opening. So it's it's the our thoughts trigger trigger the feeling is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yes. And so if we can change our thoughts, that can, that affects what we're feeling. Exactly. And like I said, so many times our thoughts are based on mistakes in thinking or Um, errors, or just really focusing on one certain path that usually is negative. If it's triggering a negative feeling, then it's probably a a pessimistic or negative thought. And we can always stop ourselves and then try to generate some more positive thoughts or some more positive alternatives to a situation. Mm -hmm. Let's go to discussing how does someone know if what they are feeling during this time might require them to seek professional help? Sure. So um, the biggest things that I would worry about as a psychiatrist for people would be depression would probably be the number one thing I would be concerned with. 
versus something milder. So a lot of times people will say or feel, I'm depressed, when what they really mean is I'm sad or I'm worried or I'm disappointed or I'm demoralized. I think the word demoralize is, is underused. So demoralize means that we're just absolutely crushed by a situation and feel overwhelmed and just like it's really hard. But for most people, if they're having those thoughts, they can really go about their daily lives for the most part, for the most part. The diagnostic criteria for depression includes having depressed or sad mood most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks and or markedly reduced interest or pleasure in all or nearly all activities most of the day, every day, plus Four other symptoms of depression, including sleep disturbance, appetite disturbance, psychomotor agitation or retardation. So that means being very agitated or fidgety or being very slowed down and almost like moving through like jello or really somebody can, their body movements can be very slowed down. There could also be fatigue, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt or reduced ability to think or concentrate or make decisions. And then the most worrisome recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal thoughts. So where it gets tricky is that the human response to stress overlaps with some of these symptoms to, to a degree. So I have a lot of people that are feeling like their sleep is not as good and as restless. That's common. I have a lot of people reporting lack of motivation, especially when they've been cooped up in the house for six weeks. This is normal. The Netflix and cleaning out the basement was fun at first, but most of us are really over over it and we're getting getting frustrated and cooped up. People are struggling with concentration when it comes to homeschooling their kids and trying to work from home or manage the household tasks at the same time. This would be normal. Many people are feeling overwhelmed and a little bit hopeless about the state of affairs in our world. This is normal, but many people, um, but what wouldn't be normal would be feeling hopeless about oneself and hopeless about about yourself as a human being. Um, so another another worry worrisome point would be again going to the suicidal thoughts. Um, sometimes when people mm-hmm. are depressed, they have very strong feelings that they would deserve to get COVID-19 and that somebody else should be spared. That wouldn't really be a normal response. So, and and then just getting back to suicidal thoughts, especially if thinking about a plan or taking steps towards a plan would, would never be normal. And then lastly, one of the classic symptoms for major depressive disorder is early wakening, early morning wakening. Oftentimes someone can fall asleep okay at the beginning of the night, but then they're waking at like three or four in the morning. So really far too early. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to go back to the topic of suicide, because I mean, it's real, it's difficult to discuss, but it's real. What should someone do if they're having suicidal thoughts? Absolutely. The concerns for suicide are very real. Suicide is absolutely positively the hardest part of my job as a psychiatrist. It really is the only true psychiatric emergency besides thoughts of hurting somebody else, of course, or certain life-threatening medication reactions. But suicidal Suicidal ideation is is very serious. So if someone is having suicidal thoughts, especially if there's a plan and intent for suicide, please seek help. 
So they could call 911. They could have someone take them to the local emergency department or local hospital. You could call the crisis hotline, and I can include those numbers for Sheboygan and Green Bay if needed. There's a text hope line for people who would prefer to text, and that's 741741. The most important thing is to talk to somebody, is reach out and talk to somebody, a friend, a family member, a pastor, a doctor, somebody that you trust. Everything feels worse when you hold thoughts inside, especially really scary and negative thoughts, and sharing them and talking about them, that can make can feel better by itself. And um, that's that's the main thing. Reach out, talk to somebody. There's a cliche that um, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And even though it's kind of trite, I do I do like to think that through all of our problems, including COVID-19, are temporary. Yeah. I, I and I, I think that's that's great insight. Um what What's your message, Dr. Reby, to to people who, you know, not necessarily, you know, who may be having suicidal thoughts or who who may not be technically clinically depressed right now, but are really going through a tough time? Um, the staying at home, um, the isolating themselves from loved ones, family members, what are your words to people right now who are who are really struggling with what is happening in this public health crisis? I would encourage them to reach out to their doctor and schedule schedule an appointment to come in and talk about all of this stuff and to find out if they need a referral to a mental health counselor or to a psychiatrist. I think that's the first step. If you're not sure, ask for help and talk to somebody who can help you sort through, is this normal and going to get better or some minor strategies to help things get better? Or is this something more serious like depression? Sure. Um, You've been actually doing a lot of appointments um, using telehealth through video um, just just due to the circumstances of the pandemic. Um, What has that been like? Is it still an effective way to to talk to someone, you know, through video and through telehealth? If you could kind of give us an insight to the experience, that would be great. Sure. Uh, I've been really happy with our experience with telepsych. So we did not have it prior to the pandemic, and Prevea used their magic powers to pull it together for us in about a week, which it probably should have taken months to get it up and running. And I, I really love it. So of course, with technology, there can be some glitches and some learning curve and kind of working out the bugs. But really, the connection on the on the computer or on the um, device is really crystal clear. And it's like I'm having somebody in my office talking to them live and in person. So it's been such such a great thing to keep patients safe and keep staff members safe and be able to provide care and address concerns and provide refills and and all of that while keeping everybody safe. Mm-hmm. One of the surprises that I came across is that even though we're not in the same room, in some ways doing telepsych has made me feel a little bit closer to some of my patients because when they're in my office, it's it's my turf and it's my decorations. I've chosen the furniture and the wall hangings and the art and and everything is my personality and my style. And when I get to see people at home, I get a taste of 
their personality and their environment and their decorations and and our homes are very personal. And so I feel like I have a little bit more of a connection with people being able to see them on their own turf and such. And sort of one uh, funny story was I had a good uh, session was tell a session with somebody. And at the end of the session, that was like, I just have to comment on your beautiful woodwork. <laughs> it's just so amazing. And <laughs> then we had a really fun little conversation about architecture and old homes and beautiful woodwork. So I think it's the relationship that really is healing in psychiatry and those little fun things that can bring us together as human beings are really worth it and fun. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Is there anything else that you would like to add or or discuss before we before we go here today? I think we really covered a lot. I, I guess the only thing I would say is just for everybody to hang in there. And um, we're going to get through this. It's we're in this together and lots of different ways and different challenges, but we'll get through this and and it's going to be okay in the end. Thank you so much, Dr. Reby, for joining us. You're welcome. And thank you to our listeners. I encourage you all to visit purveya.com to access a number of resources related to mental health and the COVID-19 pandemic. This includes tips on managing anxiety, parenting during a pandemic, helping your teens cope, and stress management for healthcare workers. Stay well, everyone. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit provea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Purveya Health at Purveya.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Purveya Health.